Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and my guest in episode 56 is Believe in 49ers host, KTLA sports reporter, and Los Angeles Sparks play-by-play broadcaster, Rashawn Haylock. Rashawn, it's great to have you back on the Everything USC podcast. Hey, Nara, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. If you enjoy listening to the show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. Or go right to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Rashawn, let the people know where they can catch up with you. Believe in 49ers podcast. We're located wherever you find your podcasts. Also on YouTube now as well. Just type in Believe in 49ers. Then on social media, on Twitter, I'm at rhaylock. And then on Instagram, at Watch Ray Ray. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We finally made it to the Final Four in New Orleans, where the top teams in college basketball all have decidedly blue blood. Looking to wager on the national championship? Head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet online, where the game starts. We are recording this show on Tuesday afternoon of March 15th, meaning the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament will start later tonight with the first day of the first four games in Dayton, Ohio. The field of 68 teams was revealed a couple of days ago, and USC secured a 7 seed in the Midwest region, which gets them a trip to Greenville, South Carolina to face 10th seeded Miami out of the Atlantic Coast Conference in the first round on Friday. But before we preview that matchup, I'd like to go over the Trojans' performance in the Pac-12 tournament, which was, let's face it, less than stellar and leaves me a little bit worried about how they'll do coming up in the big dance. First of all, they played the sixth seed, Washington, in a quarterfinal game after getting the first round by. Had a tough time, ended up winning 65-61, but the Huskies led most of that game, never by more than eight, but the Trojans didn't take the lead for good until the second half at 57-56 with just over five minutes left in the game. USC shot 49% from the field, but only six of 19 from three and a not-so-great nine of 15 from the free throw line. They committed a season-high 23 turnovers 
but somehow Washington only managed to get 16 points off turnovers despite the high amount of giveaways by the Trojans. Boogie Ellis led the team with 17 points, the only Trojan in double figures, shot 6 of 10, 3 of 5 from 3. Isaiah Mobley, 9 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. Drew Peterson, 9 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. And they got a bump off the bench from Reese Dixon Waters, who had 9 points and 4 rebounds. Washington got off to a hot start, but they ended up shooting just 30.8% from the field, 6 of 22 from downtown. Did do well at the free throw line, 15 of 18. Terrell Brown Jr. came out on fire, 21 points in the first half but he finished with just 23 in the game to go along with six boards, five assists, and four steals. Shot a very inefficient 9 of 25 from the field, most of those misses coming in the second half. Emmett Matthews Jr. contributed 12 points, three rebounds, and two steals. And Jamal Bay, 10 points, five boards, and two steals for the Huskies. And then the next night on Friday, USC... The three seed loses to the two seed UCLA for the second time in a week. 69-59 in the Pac-12 tournament semifinal. Cody Riley jumper gave UCLA an 18-16 lead with 9.24 to go in the first half. And the Bruins would lead the rest of the way. The Trojans did get to within four a couple of times in the first six minutes of the second half before UCLA pulled away. USC again with a disappointing shooting day against the Bruins, 39.5% from the field, just 7 of 18 from 3, and another rough 10 of 16 from the free throw line. One guy who did show up again, Boogie Ellis, 27 points on 9 of 17 shooting, 5 threes on 9 attempts from downtown, made all of his 4 free throws and added 5 boards. Drew Peterson managed 11 points, but wasn't really involved other than that with just one rebound and one assist. Mobley coming with nine points again and seven rebounds, but missed all four of his three-pointers. The only other Trojans to score in the game, Chavez Goodwin and Kobe Johnson, who combined for 12, and Reese Dixon Waters, who had played well against Washington, sat out this game with a little bit of a hip injury. On the other side, the Bruins, led by Jaime Jaquez again, he had a big game in the season finale of the regular season, had a big game against the Trojans in the tournament, 19 points on 6-9 shooting, 7-8 of from the free throw line, 5 boards, couple assists. Jules Bernard, the second guy again, just like he had been in the season finale, 15 points, made two threes, all seven of his free throws, and added eight rebounds. Tiger Campbell, 14 points, And Johnny Juzang with 10 points and 5 rebounds as a team. UCLA shot nearly 49%, made half of their 3-pointers, and 17-21 from the free throw line. So like I said, a little down about how the Trojans have been playing recently based on what they did in Las Vegas and in the last week of the regular season. So Rashawn, how did USC look to you based on what you saw out of the Pac-12 tournament? Well, I mean, this is a team that's certainly struggling right now. You know, lost three of their last four in an NCAA tournament. That's not where you want to be, right? And you look at what happened in the Pac-12 tourney, you know, those 23 turnovers against Washington, not a great showing. Losing to UCLA again, you know, 
the regular season finale, losing to UCLA. I, I was there at that game. And then, as you mentioned, Hakez just sort of went off, really no answer for him. But the other thing about that game at Pauley Pavilion to close out the regular season was, I mean, Ju Zhang was a shell of himself, right? Like, in UCLA pretty much commanded that game from beginning to end. I mean, SC had that little run towards the end. But aside from that, I mean, I, the game was pretty much all UCLA. And so it's a little bit concerning. But you you see something, and I think the thing that jumps out to me about the Pac-12 tournament is there's certainly something there in terms of a player, right? Anytime you get to March Madness, you know, it helps to have a guy, right? A guy that, that can kind of just catch fire and kind of lead you through the tournament. We saw that last year with the Bruins and Juzang. We've seen it throughout time. I can remember Carmelo Anthony as a freshman doing that. But it's Boogie Ellis, right? I mean, he's a guy that can catch fire. And you saw the 27 points he had. And that loss, you know, if he catches fire, then this is a guy that you can certainly ride. But just overall, as a team, just not really playing well right now. And for them, it starts on the defensive end, right? And so you got to lock in. You got to do some things. You got to shore some things up on that side of the floor. Obviously, if you're going to give yourself a chance. And, I mean, you just got to start executing better, man. And Anfield's a, he's an offensive guy. And so you definitely need some more production out of that. Need more production out of your guys, especially in terms of Peterson and Mobley. I mean, that three-headed monster with Mobley and Peterson and Boogie Ellis, like, there can't be nights off, right? You know, and maybe one of the three guys maybe can have an off night, but, like, not two of the three, right? That will end your season quickly, in my opinion. Totally agree. And I've been saying all season that Drew Peterson's the X factor. When he goes well, USC goes well, and... He has not really been going well the last couple of weeks, so I'm concerned about that. And Isaiah Mobley is usually so steady, you can almost count on him to get at least 10 points, at least 8 rebounds, some assists, play a good all-around game, but the shooting seems to be in a little bit of a slump right now. And like you said, you need at least two of those big three of Ellis, Mobley, and Peterson to be playing well, or USC is going to struggle no matter how well they play on D. So what do you think needs to happen for SC to get back into a rhythm? That's a good question. I think there's a lot of truth to what you said about Peterson, right? Like him being the X factor, like a a lot of it revolves around him. And it's true, right? Typically when they play well, it's because Drew Peterson is playing well, right? And so whatever slump he's in right now, whatever's going on, I think they need him to shake out of that quickly, right? Like, I mean, it needs to happen, you know, here Friday, (laughs) right? Like I don't think you can afford for him to stay in, in this bit of a rut that he's in right now. And I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe we've seen from this team so far is they've exceeded expectations, right? I mean, I don't think anybody saw this coming into the season, right? Them having the great start that they had to begin the year and then being, you know, ranked, being top three in, in the Pac-12 in the regular season. I don't think anybody saw this coming, especially after losing a guy like Evan Mowgli. And you just see the impact he's had with the Cavaliers right now. Like he is a difference maker, like in your program. So you lose a guy like that. I mean, that, that's a stud, right? And so I don't think anybody expected them to be able to come and have the success that they're having right now. And so I think some of that is like, has this team peaked already? And I'm not sure that they haven't, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I think what, what we're seeing right now, and this may be more or less, you know, who this team is especially when you look at sort of the opposition that they face. And granted, right, they've lost three or four, right? But, I mean, one of those games was to Arizona. They lost twice to UCLA. Nothing to, you know, bat an eye at about those three losses. But at the same time, I mean, those are tournament teams, right? Like, those are the type of teams you're going to be playing in March. And so can this team really 
compete with some of the upper echelon teams throughout the country? I mean, I think that's a big question, Mark. And I mean, I think we'll see here this weekend. And you bring up a good point. Maybe this team has already peaked, which would be bad news heading into the big dance. And is there a player outside of that big three that you think has to step up for success in the tournament for the Trojans? I'm a big Shea Goodwin guy, right? So I think if you can get Chavez Goodwin, just his activity, I think that it changes games, right? Like we saw some of this in the NCAA tournament last year, right? Like just being able to get after on the boards, right? Especially the offensive glass and being able to create second chances for himself and for his teammates. I think that's huge. I mean, every team needs an energy type guy like that, right? And so if he can have that sort of an impact or kind of replicate, you know, some of those energy making plays we saw him make last March, when this team made their run, I think that would bode well for them. That that would be one guy that I'd point to outside of the big three. Because energy, you can't defend energy, right? I mean, like, you can run plays, you can bring Peterson off some screens, but it's the off-script stuff that typically can be hurtful for you, you know, if you're the opposition, and very helpful for you if it's coming from, you know, one of your guys. And so I would point to Goodwin. Yeah, that's a good guy. When SC was going well, he definitely was a big part of that. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang, joined today by Rashawn Haylock, Believe in 49ers host, KTLA sports reporter, and voice of the LA Sparks. And if you want to catch this podcast, subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And you can also go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network. To catch up with me, I'm on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Rashawn, let the people know all the places they can find you. Believe in 49ers podcast, wherever you find your podcast, also on YouTube as well. And then at R Haylock on Twitter, on Instagram, it's at Watch Ray Ray. This is Spencer Tillman, Fox Sports, college football analyst and former Super Bowl champion with the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Podcast Network. Now let's dive into the NCAA tournament preview for the USC Trojans. They received the number seven seed, as I mentioned, in the Midwest, getting the 10th seeded Miami Hurricanes out of the ACC. Miami comes in 23 and 10 overall, 14 and 6, good for fourth in the ACC this year. And it'll be more in their region as this game will take place in the Greenville, South Carolina sub-regional, thanks to two-seed Auburn being sent there. And the game will be on Friday at 12.10, just after noon Pacific time, on TV, on True TV, and of course on the Trojans radio network, KABC 790 AM, the flagship station. And... When you look at these two teams, it's going to be a really tough matchup, as you would expect out of a 7-10 matchup. SC coming in as the number 35 team in the net ranking, number 22 in the AP and coaches polls, and Miami is not ranked in the polls, and their net ranking is a little bit lower than USC's at number 62, which maybe surprise some people because fellow ACC teams Wake Forest, which was number 48 in the net, got left out of the tournament, and Notre Dame is number 53 in the net, and they were put in the first four against Rutgers, so 
Miami, a team that has lower metrics, but got a 10 seed anyway, partly because of how well they did during ACC play. They had a 9-7 and record against teams in quadrants 1 and 2. USC, similar, 9-5 and against quads 1 and 2. So when you look at this matchup between these two teams, what do you think about how SC got seeded and getting Miami in the first round? It's funny. Like I, I say, when the, the bracket first came out, my initial reaction was a seven seed, really. I thought they would be a little higher than that. You know, I was thinking maybe a six, maybe even a five, perhaps. And then that's just me getting on my soapbox in terms of, you know, West Coast basketball and the Pac-12 and how they're overlooked and this, that, and the other. And look at what happened in the tournament last year and just the body of work, right? I mean, you had Oregon State make its run. You had UCLA, you had USC, you had Oregon. Like, it showed just how much depth there is in the conference, how strong the conference was. And people didn't really expect that last season, right? And so it's the whole benefit of the doubt factor, right? Like, the benefit of the doubt will be given to an ACC team, right? Like another day. It will not be given to a Pac-12 team, unfortunately, at least as we stand here, you know, over the course of the last, I don't know, last decade or so, in all honesty. It's probably been that long since I remember folks and pundits screaming like the Pac-12 is the best conference in America, right? Or one of the top, you know, two or three conferences in America. And so there's that aspect of it. In terms of the matchup with Miami, I mean, look, it's tough. They got some dudes. You know, Isaiah Wong is a good guard. Cameron Mugusty is a guy who does a lot of things for that team. And so I, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. It's one that Andy Enfield has spoke about in terms of there being some familiarity there just in terms of like the coaching staff, you know, he's familiar with some of those guys. He's familiar with coach Laranaga, you know, obviously. And so there's some similarities there just in terms of, you know, both of them being able to lead mid-major programs far in the tournament, right? Enfield doing it at Florida Gulf Coast, going to the Sweet 16, Laranaga, you know, making it to a final four with George Mason, right? And so these are guys that know how to execute and know that know how to advance in the tournament, right? We saw Enfield do it last year with USC. I think it's an interesting draw because admittedly, like the guys that we talked to on Sunday after the pairings came out, like they hadn't really seen much of Miami at all. Like the one thing Isaiah Mobley offered was like, hey, they got another Isaiah. So that's pretty cool. Right. (laughs) But I mean, in terms of like having seen the Hurricanes play, there hasn't been a whole lot of it. So, you you know, you got to do a deep dive into the coaching staff over the course of the day and, and the following day, try to get a game plan in immediately. But look, I think. The 7-10 is always a tough matchup, right? It's interesting because it's down there in the South, right? So you'd imagine Miami to have more fans there, but then there's also the Shea Goodwin factor in in the sense that, you know, he's from South Carolina. So, you know, there could be a pretty large contingent there for him, and they would, of course, be Trojan fans. But I think the team is expecting to go into an atmosphere in which they're going to be outnumbered in terms of fans. So you got that aspect of it. You got the fact that you got to go all the way across the country. That's another component of it. But there's the other aspect too, in, in the sense of the March Madness experience, right? A couple of years ago, there was no tournament, right? Last year, they were in the bubble. I asked Isaiah Mobley about this and he talked about how just difficult it was. They were locked in a hotel room for 21 straight days. You know, six of those days, they couldn't even go outside. And so that's not really a true March Madness experience, right? So this will be the first time for, you know, those guys really having a true March Madness experience. And so you factor that in as well. But that being said, I like SC to get out of the first round. I know Miami has its own little three-headed monster in itself, but I mean, I think, you know, if your defense travels across the country, which you needed to, 
and especially this time of year. And we talked about Peterson being the X factor. But I think Boogie Ellis is a guy that can just catch fire. Like he just get hot. Right. And so I think that bodes well for the Trojans. So I, I actually do like them in this first round. It's a very interesting matchup between two teams that don't know each other, you know, at all. But I would tend to favor the Trojans ever so slightly in this one. It's intriguing because the teams are different. Obviously, USC with a ton of size. Miami, the opposite of that, with a lot of their key guys being smaller. I mean, you look at Cam McGusty. He's their leading scorer, fourth in the ACC at a little over 17 and a half points a game. He's 6'5", but he was second on the team in rebounds, assists, and steals. A first-team All-ACC performer. Shot 48% from the field, 37% from three, and a very solid 81% from the charity stripe. And you got Isaiah Wong, 6'3", the third-year sophomore, who's the second-leading scorer on the team. Third on the team in rebounds and assists. A third-team All-ACC player. And then... Like McGusty, a six-year super senior, Charlie Moore, 5'11". He's the well-traveled Charlie Moore. Pac-12 fans might remember him back from his freshman year when he played for Cal before he transferred to Kansas for two seasons and then DePaul for two seasons before ending up in Miami for this super senior year. Led the team with 65 steals, which was second in his conference, 24th in the country, 148 assists. Led the team, fourth in the ACC, top 50 in the nation in that, and third in scoring at 12.5 points a game, all defensive team in the ACC. Jordan Miller, their fourth-year junior guard, 6'7", transferring in after three years at George Mason, head coach Jim Laranega's former stomping grounds, led the team in rebounding at just 6.1 a game, scored just over 10 points a game, almost 56% shooting from the field. And their only real big guy in their starting lineup is another six-year super senior, Sam Wardenberg, out of Auckland, New Zealand, led the team with 36 blocks, top 10 in the ACC in that category, doesn't score a ton, eight and a half points a game, but can shoot it from three, almost 43% from outside. So it's just an interesting contrast in size and styles, and when you talk about Jim Laranega, 11th season now at Miami after that stellar career he had at George Mason. And it's his fifth NCAA tournament appearance with Miami, but the first since 2018. So when you talk about recent NCAA tournament experience, the Trojans have it over the Hurricanes. And Laranega actually hasn't won a tournament game since 2016, the last time Miami went on a Sweet 16 run. They also did one in 2013 under Laranega. So it's going to be very interesting to see which kind of style wins out because USC, top 15 in the country in rebounding and field goal percentage defense. You look at Miami, they are 319th in the nation and last in the ACC in rebounding margin this year. They were out-rebounded by over four a game. But you look at their shooting, they were 23rd in the country, shooting close to 48% from the field. They don't commit a lot of turnovers, only nine and a half a game. That's good for sixth in the country. And they were plus 4.2 per game. That's 11th in the country in turnover margin. You look at USC, their turnover margin, minus two a game, 302nd in the country, and they only forced about 10 turnovers a game, which was 340th. So when you look at that, 
it really is going to be dependent on which style can be imposed on the other team to determine who gets out of this first round. I'm with you. I think SC can survive it if the defense is strong. And I think you brought up a great point about Goodwin being back in his home area of South Carolina. Maybe the Wofford fans, of course, he transferred from Wofford. They can come out and support Chavez Goodwin. And let's say they do get past Miami. They would face the winner of the number two seed Auburn against the 15th seeded Jacksonville State. And let's say it's probably going to be Auburn. But what do you think are the chances that the Trojans could make it back to the Sweet 16? I mean, you mentioned it, right? Styles make fights, right? And so you look at, you know, SC and and Miami and and just how different they are contrasting styles. So much of it, especially when you look at this tournament, right? Like so much of it is about like matchups, right? So how does this USC team match up with Auburn? And I don't know. I, I just, I think the Trojans got a tough draw in all honesty. I mean, Auburn's a team that, you know, a lot of people think could be final four bound. They spent time as the number one team in the country, you know, this season. Bruce Pearl obviously has turned Auburn into sort of a basketball program now in the sense. And so I think it's tough. I think it'd be tough for the Trojans to get out of the first weekend. I think the second round, you know, meeting up with Auburn, I think it may end there. Auburn would be a tough matchup. They've got a guy who might be the number one overall pick in the next NBA draft in Jabari Smith. Bruce Pearl, proven head coach in the tournament, has gotten different teams on long runs in his career. They've got size that can match up with USC. I mean, the North Carolina transfer, Walker Kessler. They've got good guards. I think it would be a very difficult matchup for USC, but you never know. And that's the beauty of March Madness. So if they were able to get to the next weekend, could you see them equating last year's Elite Eight run? I mean, absolutely. You look at the pod, I think that this team has a shot. I mean, look, if they can get past Auburn, then I see a path for them to not just get to the Elite Eight, but to get out of the Elite Eight. You look at sort of who's sort of in their pod. You look at LSU. You look at Wisconsin. I mean, I I would tend to favor SC over any of those squads. So I, I think there's a clear shot for them to get to at least the Elite Eight if they're able to get past Auburn. But that's a big ask. That's a big if. You know, Auburn is, I mean, remember this team was in a national championship just a couple of years ago, right? I mean, like Bruce Pearl obviously has something going and something brewing there. And so it's just tough. Like just in terms of seeding, in terms of draw, I just think Trojans are in a tough spot. I did not particularly love it when I saw the bracket come out for SC. I think they're definitely in a tough spot with Auburn and Miami is going to be difficult just because, again, of the contrasting styles and which coach can impose their style and get their players to perform in this high-pressure, packed environment of the NCAA tournament. So again, this is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I am your host, Nara Wang. If you enjoy listening to the show, subscribe, download, and rate it on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, any of your favorite podcast directories, or go to Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network. To catch up with me, I am on Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Rashawn, where do the people catch up with you? 
Hey, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at R Haylock on Twitter. And on Instagram, I am at Watch Ray Ray. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. And finally, Rashawn, let's just go over the big picture of the big dance outside of USC. A couple of other LA teams, of course, made it. UCLA getting a four seed in the East region and Cal State Fullerton going against Duke, the mighty Duke in Coach K's final run in the NCAA tournament. That's a West region, although, of course, they will also be in Greenville, South Carolina, thanks to this stupid pod system that I could rail on for days and days because it's better fitting a team like Duke that gets to stay close to home while a team like Cal State Fullerton has to fly across the country for a West regional matchup. Interesting how that works out, but enough of that. How do you feel about how the selection committee put together this year's bracket? I don't really have too many qualms with it. I mean, it's on one hand, it's just kind of good just to see it back to kind of what we what we know it to be. Right. I mean, last year was just so strange. Right. No fans or at least minimal fans, you know, until like, you know, late in the tournament, everything being in Indiana, you know, them being in a bubble. I mean, it was exciting. It was fun, but it was strange. Right. And so. Now you look at, as Coach Andy Enfield said, you know, maybe a more normal March Madness type of experience. And so I don't have necessarily any qualms with that. I don't have really any issues with the one seeds. I think they got it right on that standpoint. And so it's interesting. I like the note that you mentioned about Cal State Fullerton. I mean, this is a program that I've covered for a while. And for Diedrich Taylor to get that program to, look, this is only their fourth appearance in the NCAA tournament, right? This is the second time under Taylor. That might be one of the worst jobs in America, Cal State Fullerton, in all honesty. And for him to get them back to another NCAA tournament, and then they were right there knocking on the doorstep a couple of years ago as well. After going at 18, I believe 19, they were right there knocking on the door of getting to another one. So the fact that he's there, he was able to make it. One of his assistants on his staff previously, Danny Sprinkles, the head coach at Montana State, He's able to guide them to an NCAA tournament for the first time since, I believe, it was 1989. Just tremendous what Coach Taylor is doing there at Cal State Fullerton. Going up against Duke, I mean, look, either, <laughs> either you're going to make history or you're going to be history, right? Um, <laughs> from, yeah. that from that standpoint. But I think, for me, this tournament is about Gonzaga. 
can they finally do it? Right. Like, I mean, there's so many like we've seen this for what, 20 something years now. Right. They've gone from like the Darlings, the Cinderella to now, you know, that mid major that is consistently looked upon as one of the top teams in the country. And so, you know, they got there last year, the championship game finally. Right. And then you come up short to, you know, a Baylor team. And I, I think maybe that UCLA game may have took everything out of them. Right going down to the wire like that, you exert so much energy on a game when it's shot like that. Maybe they just didn't have anything left in the tank against Baylor. No excuse, though. I mean, you get there, obviously, you like to perform better. But is this the year that they're able to finally make it happen and win one, you know, as a mid-major and for the mid-majors, continue to solidify itself as one of the premier programs in the country? I think that's the biggest storyline for me. And I don't think they got a very easy region. I think they did a pretty good job, the selection committee, in balancing out the regions. I didn't like Duke getting a two-seed over Tennessee. Tennessee wins the SEC, and they're a three-seed. Didn't get that. And, you know, Michigan not being in the first four, but Indiana is when Indiana just beat Michigan. Little things like that. But on the whole, I think they did a decent job of putting together the field and is there a sleeper team that you're looking at, or maybe more than one team even, that could surprise us and go on a Sweet 16 run or beyond? That's an interesting one. I know the, the sexy pick out there is Chattanooga. There's a lot of people that like them as a team. For me, I mean, because there's so much parity in college basketball this season, I think that's an interesting one, right? I mean, you look at a team like Loyola Chicago, could they make a run, right? I can see them beating Ohio State, and I can see them coming back and beating Villanova and advancing to the Sweet 16. Illinois is a team that I like a lot. You know, their head coach, Brad Underwood, I I respect the way they play the game. I know they're a Big Ten team, but it really is one of those, like, wide-open type of tournaments. I don't know that it'll necessarily be all chalk this time around. I think you look at a team like Houston that made a Final Four run a season ago. I think it'd be very, very interesting. Yeah, I could see a team like the winner of that Murray State-San Francisco game giving Kentucky a hard time, and if they were able to get past Kentucky, maybe something could happen. Same with the USC-Miami winner. If they can somehow upset then Auburn most likely in the next round, they could make a run. But I think that's where you're really going to see where the sleepers can come from, is who can win those tough second round matchups because like you said a lot of people on the Chattanooga bandwagon I know a lot of people like Vermont there's a lot of people who like Murray State at a seven seed Boise State is an eight seed is intriguing to some people and again you always seem to see a first four team come through and make a long run so is Wyoming Indiana Rutgers or Notre Dame going to be able to do something like that so it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out so let's get right down to it who is your Final Four and your national champion, Rashawn? Oh, wow. <laughs> Final Four and national champion. Interesting. I'll take Gonzaga. I have them going to the Final Four. I do every year. I feel like I always get burnt as a result of that. I think there's something to this Arizona team. I think this is a team that can make a run. So I'll go ahead and take Arizona as well. I just said it wouldn't be all talk, but here I am going chalk. I'll go Auburn and... This one is this one is going to be interesting. I'll go Purdue, and I like Gonzaga to win the whole thing. So you think the Zags finally make the breakthrough and get their national champion? How I look at it, I mean, I pick them every year, right? So one of these years, I got to be right, right? <laughs> the consistency, right, Rashad? As long as you keep picking them, at some point, it's got to come through. At for some you. point, right? It's got to happen. 
Yeah, I think this is as good a team as Mark Few has had. I know everyone liked last year's team, but Chet Holmgren, to me, is a better pro prospect than Jalen Suggs. And again, a lot of people call him the unicorn because of his size and his skill set. And yeah, I mean, if they can get through that West region and they might end up again, if chalk holds, they could maybe be playing Baylor in a final four matchup, the rematch of last season's NCAA championship. I would love to see the West Coast represent. I would love to see Arizona do well. And I think, though, that they probably got the toughest region when you have Villanova, Tennessee, Illinois, Houston, even Colorado State, and a team to me, Ohio State, which is going to drive me nuts probably. They could lose in the first round. They could go to the Final Four. Ohio State is going to destroy a lot of brackets, in my opinion, this March here. So in the end, I can't believe I'm saying this. But I think Kansas is going to win because Kansas is a team that always disappoints, especially when I pick them, it seems. But for some reason, I just see them coming out of this whole thing and winning in the championship game. So we'll see how that turns out. But Rock Chalk, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just they're a really good team that's kind of under the radar because of how well Gonzaga and Arizona have played. And then Baylor being the defending national champions. So I'm just thinking that this might be the year that Kansas is a really good team, but under the radar. And that's usually when they tend to do well in the tournament. It's when they come in as like the number one overall seed that they crash and burn in the tournament. So that's what I'm going with. And again, we'll see how right we are as March Madness plays out. It's my favorite time of year. My favorite sporting event is the NCAA tournament. So Rashawn, thanks for joining me to talk a little bit about USC and what their outlook is for the big dance. I appreciate you always for having me, Nar. Thanks a lot. For my guest, Rashawn Haylock, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 56 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show with a fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.